Hello loves and welcome back to Your Hero's Quest, where we talk all about myths, legends, history, and spirituality and help you become the hero of your myth. So let's get right into it. In the spirit of the season, I wanted to cover Samhain, spelled like Samhain, and this is the ancient pagan festival that turned into Halloween. So by the time this video comes out, it will still be Halloween week. There is much to learn from this very important time of year. So we are in Scorpio season. We're also in the smack dab center of this eclipse portal. So this in itself is a very potent portal of energy and of transformation and death and rebirth. Also with Scorpio season, it always brings those things up. So it is no coincidence that Samhain falls on this time of year as well. So practically, Samhain means summer's end, and it marks the end of harvest season, ushering in the darker half of the year. It falls exactly in the middle of the year, in between the light and the dark, summer, winter. That is why they say the veil is the thinnest on this line of time. So this time is really a celebration of death. I know that's a little bit weird because that word in itself brings up so much fear and is so tied to fear for humans. But this is a really valuable time of rest, of darkness, and of silence that Mother Earth goes into that reminds us as humans that we also need periods of that as well. So in pagan times and in any pagan celebrations, they follow what is called the Wheel of the Year, which is an annual cycle of seasonal festivals that mark the quarter days, which are the equinoxes and the solstices, and the mid-quarter days, which are the four points that fall exactly in the middle of those equinoxes and solstices. So as you can see, we're as above, so below. The All these things are starting to interconnect, as they always do, and it gets even deeper. But before we get there, let's talk about the pagan traditions that are associated with Samhain, some that have made it through the years, made it through Christianity, and we still do today for our modern Halloween. So as we know, this festival is celebrated from October 31st to November 1st. And as I mentioned, it's when the veil is the thinnest between the physical world and the spirit world. This allows for interactions between humans and the other world, between humans and ancestors, humans and spirits, all of these beings that we usually have a harder time accessing. The ancient Celts held Samhain as the most important of the four quarterly festivals. Early texts even say that festivals to celebrate Samhain were mandatory in uh, different towns. They would be celebrated for three days and three nights, and you would be penalized if you didn't show up to the festival and not by the town, but by the gods. During this festival, they would light a community bonfire, they would drink a lot of alcohol, have a huge feast, and then at the end, each person would bring a flame home from the community fire to light their own hearth. During this time of the very thin veil, there were certain beings that were known to the Celts to come around on this day. We've got headless horsemen riding around. We've got that Gwyn Ap Nude, who I mentioned in my last episode, the king of the fairy realm would traditionally go out on this wild hunt on Samhain and collect souls to bring back to the other world. So you had to be careful and watch out for him. Other mischievous beings like the Puka, who were shapeshifters, who could take form of cattle, horses, uh, cats, dogs, anything to kind of lure travelers their way. And then they'd play tricks on them. They also were known to steal children. So this was a time to 
really keep a special eye on your kids. Some places in Ireland and in the Celtic tradition, people still sprinkle grain in their yards to offer to these puka. And if the puka like the grain, then it's said their garden will be beautiful and bountiful in the spring. To ward off evil spirits, people would wear costumes and masks as if to hide from them. One source mentioned that this was particularly helpful if you were mean to someone who had recently departed, <laughs> as if, again, you're hiding from them. They're not going to find you if you're in a mask or costume. So I'm guessing that's where we get our tradition of dressing up in such a way on Halloween. By the Middle Ages, most pagan holidays had been adopted and rebranded by Christianity. And this one is one of them. By the 9th century, Pope Gregory declares this day All Hallows' Eve and November 1st All Saints' Day. People were still making offerings to leave out for the ancestors, deceased, and spirits. They would bake these small cakes called soul cakes and leave them out. And poor people would go door to door that were hungry and would collect an extra cake for themselves. This could definitely be the origins of trick-or-treating. People would also have what was called a dumb supper, where they would invite their ancestors to join them at the table before they started eating. Children would entertain them with games and the adults would catch them up on what they missed in the past year. So what is the deeper meaning of this holiday, of this midpoint of the year, of this time where the wheel turns from light to dark? As I said before, it's really a celebration of death, not only in the communing of our ancestors and people who have passed onto the other side that we can access better at this time, but really honoring death and cycles in our own lives. Death really isn't something to be feared, but we need to embrace it. This fear of death shows up in so many ways in our lives, and we are all guilty of this. Fear of letting go of relationships that have staled months or years ago, clinging to jobs or careers that no longer serve us or are sucking our energy, draining living situations, and even items in our home or our closets that are filled with clothes that should have been laid to rest long ago that maybe have moved with us many times that we've never worn in years. I think this is why that tidying up with Marie Kondo was so popular, because she was teaching people to really only keep things around that spark joy. And if something doesn't spark joy in our life, why do we keep it? I think it's because we tie our identity to these things, to that relationship, to that home, to these items that we have. So if we let them go, we feel like we're going to lose a piece of ourselves. We feel like our identity might be gone. What does that mean for us? What does our life look like if we let those things go, if we let them die? But we can't have the light without the dark. And as Mother Nature shows us at this time, she can't give us a beautiful spring full of flowers and birds and butterflies and leafy trees and sunshine and meadows without having the death of what once was. She's not afraid of abundance. She's not afraid of what's going to come. She knows that by letting all of these beautiful flowers die, more are going to come in the spring and maybe even more beautiful ones and more bountiful ones, maybe even a more luscious garden. So I think what this time really teaches us, if we can really tap in, and this is all of Scorpio season as well, is to really trust in endings. Not only trust in endings, but embrace them and maybe even allow yourself to be excited about them. Death doesn't have to be scary and it does not have to be bad. 
we can rebrand it as something sacred and something that if we allow it to happen and if we just surrender to it, know that our beautiful spring is going to come on the other side. So how can you decide right now what needs to be released in your life? And how can you let it go with love and find the things that spark joy, clear the space for new beginnings, for the wonder of what can come into your life when you let die what was meant to die many times a long time ago? Trust me, I know it is the most challenging thing, the most challenging thing, but it's also the most freeing and it will get you in line with your life. It will bring you so much peace. It will bring you so much space to allow. When we cling to things, we are trying to control them. But what if we just let go and surrender and tune into mother nature, tune into what's happening around us. Everything's a cycle. The moon grows and dies every month. We don't stay in one zodiac sign all year. We're constantly transforming. We're constantly going through these cycles. The hero's journey, as I always say, is not one long grand journey. It's many journeys that cycle and cycle and cycle in circles. Death and rebirth, death and rebirth, death and rebirth. And it's like the phoenix who bursts into flames and rises again from the ashes into a beautiful new version. Now I found some interesting connections with this to the tarot. The tarot, if you're not familiar, really quick, is comprised of 22 major arcana cards and then suits and lesser arcana cards. And in these 22 cards is the hero's journey, is the fool's adventure. And it starts with the fool. He or she gets the call to adventure. In the middle of the fool's adventure, the hero's journey, the soul's journey through this arcana, not surprisingly, is the death card. And again, this does not mean physical death. This is a spiritual death, an ego death, a death to self, a death of things that no longer serve. This card is not to be feared. This is not to be feared. The fact that this lines up directly with Samhain, the season of death, is not a coincidence. The middle of the hero's journey, on the hero's journey wheel, death. The hero dies to him or herself. You have to, to be born into who you're supposed to be. When the hero is deep in the initiation phase of his journey, he or she is being initiated to themselves. And guess what awaits the hero after that? Gifts of the divine blessings. Can you embrace this season and truly let go of what is meant to die? I challenge you to make a list Make a list of all the things that you need to let go of right now that you know you've been clinging to, holding on to. Light a fire and cast the list into it. Let it burn. What can you create out of the ashes? This is the time to harness this energy and get ready for your spring in your life. So we are blessed from mother nature with these cycles. And of course, from the ancient pagans and Celts who knew that this was a time to commune with death. And if we can get comfortable with death over and over again in our lives, we will be free. So now let's pull a card from the Hero's Journey Dream Oracle to get a further message from Spirit on this thin-veiled day to assist you on your quest. We got the quest. Plunge boldly into life. 
I love that this card is so full of light, even though we're talking about um, the period of death. So definitely is what awaits us on the other side of our quest into the death realms. Okay, let's see what the message is. Your perception is most accurate when it's inside out. You've crossed the threshold from the ordinary world into the special world. It is here the rules of the ego and polite society no longer apply. In the ordinary world, it was acceptable to run from things that scared you. In the special world, you walk toward those things with open arms. In the ordinary world, it was acceptable to associate falling with failing. But in the special world, it's an invitation to explore your depth. In the special world, your shadow is where your greatest gifts arise. In the special world, strangeness is an indicator of value and importance. In the ordinary world, it was acceptable to blame other people for your difficulties. In the special world, you take full responsibility for your experience. Mantra, I become more lucid when I choose to see the world from an inside out perspective. And the new perspective we're adopting is that death is not something to be feared. It's part of the quest and it turns into and begets new beautiful life. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, leave a comment, a like, subscribe for more, and I will see you with more magic and tips for your quest in the next episode. Much love.